0: Both Los Angeles football teams are sleeper picks to play in this year's Super Bowl, while the Cleveland Browns will fall short of lofty expectations in 2021. Speaking of the Wild West, the San Francisco Giants, yep, you heard me right, not the Los Angeles Dodgers, will be crowned NL West champions come October 3rd. Plus, I think Derek Jeter is the best shortstop in Major League Baseball history. I'll tell you why next on Stern Spotlight. What a time it is to be a sports fan. Less than a month away from the start of the Major League Baseball playoffs, football finally kicking off again. I keep my TV remote in my pocket at this time of year because I just don't want to miss anything. Hope everyone out there listening had a fantastic Labor Day weekend. Enjoyed the last little bit of summer. It's the holiday's end, and the grind starts back up again. And we get excited for football season, and we begin today out in the wild, wild west. Now, last season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the first team in NFL history to play and win a Super Bowl in their home stadium. I believe this year, lightning will strike twice with the Los Angeles Chargers. This year's Super Bowl is set to be hosted at SoFi Stadium, and I think it could feature a matchup between both Los Angeles teams. With the Chargers, I know everyone's going to have trouble betting against Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs, and for good reason. They've made the last two Super Bowls. They're a powerhouse in the AFC. On paper, they've upgraded their offensive line and are a significantly better team, so... They're the favorites to win the AFC West. But don't forget about that team that plays out in Hollywood now. Yeah, I'm talking about the one that has the reigning NFL rookie of the year as their quarterback. We saw what Justin Herbert was capable of last season, and he's a generational talent at the quarterback position. If he had a horrible supporting cast, I'd still feel confident with him lining up under center. That's how much he's capable of. And look, I could be wrong. He could have a sophomore slump. He could regress. He could have been a one-hit wonder for all I know. But all indications point toward him being a transcendent talent at the position. And it would be one thing if he had no supporting cast. But he has some of the best playmakers in football lining up alongside him. It's a who's who at the skill positions. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, and Justin Jackson lining up in the backfield. A great offensive line spearheaded by Brian Bulaga on the right side. On paper, this offense really doesn't have any holes. And defensively, they have two of the best playmakers in the game there as well. Joey Bosa lining up up front. You get back Derwin James on the back end of your defense. This is a really good team. And you, when you look at their record last year, you probably saw that they were 7-9, and nine and You think to yourself, well, this isn't a team that's close to winning a Super Bowl. Based on the record, I understand why you say that. But keep in mind, seven of their nine losses came by a touchdown or less. You flip four of those over to wins, and the dynamic of the season changes completely. And a large part of the problem last season was their head coach, Anthony Lynn. Horrible game management skills. They blew countless double-digit leads. Looked awful at times. Very incompetent, poor fundamentals. All of a sudden, you remove him, and you add Brandon Staley, one of the best young defensive-minded head coaches in the game. And it's completely different. If this team does not win 11 or 12 games this season, I will be surprised. If they don't make the playoffs, I'll be shocked. There's no reason that they shouldn't be playing deep into January, as a matter of fact. And I know that the AFC is deep as well, and the West is really good, but on paper, this team has all of the makings to not only take a major step forward, but to compete for an AFC title. And a very similar team is their crosstown rivals in the Los Angeles Rams. Now, unlike the Chargers, the Rams made a massive change at the quarterback position over this offseason. Jared Goff was solid took them to a Super Bowl, took them to the playoffs in a number of seasons. But it just felt like he wasn't going to get them over the hump, which is why Sean McVay and the front office there decided it was time for a change. So they went out, and they acquired Matthew Stafford from the Lions, one of the best quarterbacks in the entire game. I know the major knack on Stafford throughout his career has been that he struggled in the postseason, had some tough times down the stretch, but at the end of the day, you just massively upgraded the quarterback position. And just like Herbert's in with the Chargers, Stafford's cupboard ain't bare either. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are two great receivers. The running back position has been depleted by injuries with the Rams. I get it. But you still have Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson lining up in the backfield. And on defense, you have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, two guys who should help keep other teams out of the end zone this is a very good team and the nfc west is also going to be very competitive as long as number three is lining up under center for the seattle seahawks they're going to be a team that's tough to beat the arizona cardinals are expecting to take a step forward with kyler murray this year everyone expects to make the playoffs out in the desert and the same can be said for the san francisco 49ers team with uncertainty at the quarterback position with Trey Lance and Jimmy G battling it out. No Jimmy G was named the starter, but it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts out in the Bay Area. But the point is, this is a very tough division, and it's going to be hard for the Rams to come out on top, but they they definitely have all the tools to do so. And they aren't that far removed from making a Super Bowl themselves. And When you have Sean McVay as your head coach, you're never really out of contention. And I think that's why the Rams should be viewed as a dark horse contender in the NFC. Because as much as everyone wants to get on the Aaron Rodgers hype train with the Packers, as much as everyone wants to crown the Buccaneers NFC champions once again, because they won it last year, And as much as everyone loves Wilson out in Seattle, quietly, Matthew Stafford is gearing up to make these last few years the very best of his career. And he has all of the tools and resources to do so. More importantly, he has the good organizational support. That's something he never got with the Ford family in Detroit. And for those reasons, I think a matchup between the two Hollywood teams could happen in the Super Bowl. Imagine how great that would be for the game as well. You have this sexy new stadium in its second season. Fans finally back can enjoy it. And you have the two hometown teams playing in it. That would be perfect for marketing. It would be great for the city of Los Angeles. More importantly, that would be something that reinvigorated and reignited excitement in two sleeping fan bases that have been more focused on the two college teams over the past couple of years. But moving up the sidelines now from two teams that I think could surprise everyone to one team that I think will fall short of expectations, the Cleveland Browns are the underdog story that everyone wanted to root for. Coming into last season, they had gone 18 years without making the playoffs, 26 years without a playoff win. They were hungry for success. Just fired head coach Freddie Kitchens after a one year run with the team. Brought in this young, innovative, offensive minded guy in, Kevin Stefanski. And after they were blown out by the Ravens in week one, everyone was ready to get rid of uh, Kevin. But you know, they turned things around, they had a great season dismantled the, play, the Steelers in round one of the postseason. And coming into this year, everyone is saying that this is the season that the Cleveland Browns take the next step forward. I say not so fast. First of all, what they did last season and the success they accomplished with their roster, I don't know how much you can replicate that in 2021. Remember now, the AFC North is, is as competitive as any team in football. The Pittsburgh Steelers are always going to be hanging around there and pretty good. The Ravens are going to be solid again this season. I know they've suffered a slew of injuries in training camp. But on paper, they have all the tools to succeed again. And the Cincinnati Bengals, the one team I feel like everyone's forgotten about. I know that they probably won't make the postseason. I know the bar is not set very high, but... At minimum, they could be a team that's very tough to beat with Joe Burrow coming back for his sophomore campaign at a Jamar Chase at receiver. And, you know, it's not unrealistic to expect them to win a couple more games this season, even if they uh, ultimately do fall short of 500. So the level of competition is one reason why I think the Browns will regress. They're also very unproven, okay? Yeah, this team had a good season last year, but... Show me one guy on that roster who has played well on a, on a playoff team and done it consistently. I can't find one. And the supporting cast on paper is really good. You have Jarvis Landry. Odell Beckham Jr. comes back from injury. Though, I kind of thought he was part of the issue. And I think that when you have Odell on the field, Baker probably felt pressured to get the ball to him. So once he's removed from the equation arguably, you're better off. Anyway, that's a discussion for another day. I think the point is here that you get one of your best receivers back, and he should help your offense score more points. And then you also have Donovan Peoples-Jones, a nice tall slot receiver, had a nice rookie season out of Michigan last year, and everyone expects him to take another step forward. Just inked Miles Garrett to a massive contract extension on the defensive side, And you finally have some veterans, if you will, on the roster, guys who have a couple more years of experience. But realistically, this team still hasn't really shown a whole lot. And it's just hard for me to sit here and say, oh, they're going to make the Super Bowl, they're going to take the next step, when they haven't really done so in these types of high-pressure situations. And beyond that, Last season, they had a very easy strength of schedule. This year, they have the ninth toughest schedule in the entire National Football League. And that starts right away, by the way, when they open up on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. And then they play the Packers on the road later in the season as well. In December. This is a very good division that they play in, have a very tough schedule. A lot of unproven talent on the roster. And there's no telling that this team is going to take another step forward. And it isn't just about the competition in the division either. The AFC, as a whole, is a very competitive conference. I've written home to the cows about the Kansas City Chiefs already. But pivoting to the east for a moment, the Buffalo Bills are a powerhouse in the conference. The Miami Dolphins are a team that I in theory, I think could potentially take a step forward. This is a very good conference, very good division, and I wouldn't be betting my life savings on the Cleveland Browns, even making the playoffs this season. So let's pump the brakes on them being Super Bowl contenders. I'm excited to watch the Chargers, Rams, and Browns play on Sunday, but something that'll be perhaps more interesting to monitor over the next month or so will be the divisional race going on in the National League West. The sad thing about the National League West is that one team will finish in first place and hold home field advantage throughout the postseason, while the second-place team faces single-game elimination. That's particularly sad when you consider that the first-place San Francisco Giants have the best record in Major League Baseball, while the second-place Los Angeles Dodgers are tied with the Tampa Bay Rays for the second-best record. It's going to be a dogfight the last month of the season, and Perhaps both teams are deserving of the number one seed, but unfortunately in this situation, only one team can come out on top. At this point in the season, though, and I never thought I would utter these words back in April, the San Francisco Giants will eventually be crowned National League West winners, and they've deserved it. Last weekend was proof of why they should win the division. And I know they won one game on a walky, wonky, walk-off error. And I know that there was some element of luck involved. But this is a really good baseball team. And overall, I think they're all around better than the Dodgers. And I'm going to eventually have to put my money where my mouth is. Because if the Dodgers end up being the wild card team and they win the wildcard game, which I think a lot of people expect them to do, If they get if it gets to that point, then there will be a rematch between the Giants and Dodgers in the first round of the baseball postseason. Now, up until this point, the Giants have won the season series ten to nine. It's been a lot of hard-fought battles, a lot of close games, and even the margin of wins and losses is slim. It's only one game, but overall, I think it speaks to the fact that the Giants have fought and clawed and found a way to win bell games all season long. And as a whole, they're just the better team. When you looked at that roster back in April, you saw some of the names on it. You said to yourself, that would be a really good team if it was 2015. And it was a really good team back in the day. Won a couple of World Series. Buster Posey is back. After sitting out last season because of COVID. Brandon Crawford at shortstop. Brandon Belt at first. Have some nice veterans on the roster. But it was going to be tough to win games this season, wasn't it? Well, think again, especially with Gabe Kapler, the young energetic manager who is analytics obsessed in Philadelphia, but has seemingly turned the page here in San Francisco. And they've played great complimentary baseball. And it's not just the three guys I just mentioned either. This is a very deep roster. One through nine in that lineup legitimately scares you. And it has been the unsung heroes on this team that have willed them to early September and will will them through October. The guys I'm talking about are Darren Ruff, Mauricio Dubon, Steven Duggar, Lamont Wade Jr., who came out of the blue, Everyone has come out and contributed for this team. I don't know if the veterans have found the fountain of youth or what happened, but everyone on this team has a role and they all play well together. Even some of the older guys, the late bloomers, if you will, the Mike Yastremskys and Alex Dickerson's. Everyone on that team has provided value to the team. Tommy Listella, another guy, who seemed like an average infielder for most of his career. And that bullpen, I'd, be, I'd have trouble finding a better bullpen in baseball. Jake McGee on the back end has been fantastic 30 for 35 in save opportunities. Tyler Rogers is one of the best setup men in baseball. Zach Little is one of the best middle relievers as well. And when you get to October, And you have starters that struggle early in games. And you need the bullpen to come in and hold deficits where they are and not give up any more runs. That bullpen becomes so vitally important that you can't survive without one. Look at what happened to the Tampa Bay Rays last year. The minute Blake Snell came out of game six, everything fell apart. If you don't have a bullpen in October, you're not winning the World Series. And unlike other teams... With noticeable flaws, like the Brewers and the Central, who have a starting lineup that struggle to hit at times, or the Braves, Phillies, and Mets, whichever team happens to come out of the East at this point, doesn't really matter. None of them have been very consistent and done any of the three things that well, which is why the San Francisco Giants are in an excellent position, not just to win the National League West, but to represent the National League in the World Series. Someone who knows a thing or two about playing in October with five World Series rings on his resume and was inducted into the Hall of Fame earlier this week is Derek Jeter. There's been a lot of arguments after he's been inducted about whether or not he was the best shortstop in Major League Baseball history. And to that question, really, there's only one answer. Absolutely yes. What other player in major league baseball, regardless of position, is as accomplished both offensively and defensively as Derek Jeter? This was a guy who had a career batting average of 310. Hitting 270 is hard enough. Hitting over 300, that's pretty much unheard of. What he did at the plate was almost superhuman. He made 14 all-star games, won five silver slugger awards, and five gold gloves. We will all remember the dive into the stands against the Boston Red Sox, or the countless jump throws. Every time number two ran out to play shortstop for the New York Yankees, we knew we were going to get a performance for the ages. And it was unbelievable to watch what Derek Jeter did on the field. What he did off the field, that's perhaps even more impressive. He built a brand with the number two and the logo and all of the things of that nature. And he was someone who, led by example, very quiet, very humble, wasn't super flashy in the bright lights and glitz and glamour of New York. And most importantly, he always played the game the right way, was a class act, never really argued much with the umpire, never showed up the opposition, always respected each and every one of his teammates, and was always a foundational blue-chip player that you could build around, not just because of how good he was on the field, but because of how much of a leader he was in the locker room. And you look at some of the other guys he played alongside, whether it be Alex Rodriguez or Gary Sheffield or Roger Clemens, and the same absolutely cannot be said about them, as you can say about Derek Jeter. The fact that one writer did not vote Jeter into the Hall of Fame is an absolute joke, because there will never be a player of this magnitude ever again. You look at what Fernando Tatis is doing in San Diego, and there have been comparisons that have been made, but Jeter did so in a very different era of Major League Baseball. And I know velocity has gone up over the last couple of years, and you know hitting has gotten harder, but he did it when a lot of guys were juicing, and a lot of guys were cheating, and a lot of guys were dirty, and just makes his accomplishments that much more impressive. And it's also amazing that he survived 17 years in the Bronx with George Steinbrenner as the owner. It's a tough organization to make a living with and I won't say he had no conflicts with the Steinbrenner family, but the issues were kept to a minimum and he always kept them close to his chest. Getting along with that ownership group is just as hard as it was getting along with some of his teammates and that's something that can't be forgotten about either. So one more time, let's give three cheers to El Capitan and take a moment to appreciate his career. That's it for this edition of Stern Spotlight. Looking forward to all of the NFL games this weekend and breaking everything down for you all next week.